Now back to the happy hour with Nick Sainert and Enrique Alvarez Clary on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back into the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com on a Friday. Shout out to Good Sense Friday as well, the Pillar Restaurant Group, providing sandwiches and lunches to all of our staff members every Friday. So shout out to those guys um, and uh, everybody that, that is involved in that at the Pillar Restaurant Group. Let's go and get to you our... Lost thought, I lost dude. my train of thought. I, I, was reading, I was reading a text message, completely lost where I was going to go. gone. Shout out Industry Baby, of course. Forever and always. There it is. Let's go ahead and head in to the Honda Lincoln Hotline, where we're joined by Zach Carpenter of Inside Nebraska. Zach, what's up, man? Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Nick. It's a busy time in this industry, baby. See yeah. what I did there? I, I do. I did see what you did there. Hi, um, Zach. I'm here, too. Yeah, Rico uh, is also here. It's it's been, a, it's been a long... Yesterday was a long, hard-working day. I, I'm starting to feel old, man. But uh, oh, my, my bad, Nick. My bad. I'm not supposed to make those jokes that I'm feeling old when I'm not. Forgot about that. Don't don't tell Redbeard Oscar. <laughs> so, Hi, Rico, Zach. We found that out this week. You can't make it... Innocuous joke. Oh, no. So, so Rico. You have people not freak out. So Rico, um, I don't know if you saw this. Oh on no, Twitter. I no, did. I did. Okay, so oh, you no, so you know. Okay, no, yeah, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell the listeners because I didn't mention it on air because I didn't want you know people to come at me on I Twitter. I told you Zach. to mention it, and you didn't want to. But but I guess I, you knew I, you I, you didn't know I was going to do this, but I'm putting you on the spot right now. <laughs> you, I did not know you were going to bring it up, but I made a joke about how I'm old, and and it's a kind of a running joke at the station. You're, Rico an, old, def- you're an old. I'm soul. an old soul trapped in a, a 21, almost 22 year old body here. Yeah, between 24. I'm not 24, and um, I always make jokes how I feel old and how I don't want to do normal 21 year old things. So I said it on Twitter. Somebody came at me on Twitter and said it was disrespectful to call myself old. I thought, what? How dare you? It's more disrespectful to me that I'm calling myself old. Disrespect to the people who have been through all of the hardships. I understand it. You don't understand. You don't have the scars. You don't have the mental toughness. As a 29-year-old, soon to be 29-year-old, I texted Nick and said, yeah, don't ever say this again. (laughs) Don't insult the rest of us old. Yeah, it's it's almost disrespectful for you, Zach, to, to to be saying you're old. I know. All right. I, I turned thirty yet. I turned <laughs> yeah. thirty this year. Can I call myself old? I think I think forty is the the cutoff age now. Where you, you better be careful, Zach. Like, whenever whenever you if you play pickup hoops or like if you're working out and you start to feel a lot sore, a lot more sore for a lot longer, that's that's when you can start saying that. I'm, I'm just th- waiting to be get get called an old head by a, by a young person. <laughs> well, you just keep on waiting, <laughs> so you know you've yeah. made it. Yeah, that's when you know. Um, okay. Um, OG Les Lancaster, by the way, one of our texters, Zach, says, okay, let's stop this age crap. Doesn't make me feel good about myself. So look what you started. <laughs> Damn it, Zach. Zach, you're, you're going to dip from this conversation in about 10 minutes, and we're going to have to deal with the, the leftover, the fire from the, the text line because of it. That's what I do. I come in, I just shake things up a little bit, and then boom, like the usual suspects. And like that, he's gone. Um, Zach, Zach Carpenter of Inside Nebraska joining us. Uh, got a couple things to get to here. First, college football discussion here. What was your thought when you saw that, that uh, Texas and Oklahoma have to pay a total of $100 million to the Big 12 to leave early? Uh, I don't really have an opinion. It's, anytime we get in a discussion about big money like that, it's like, mm-hmm. I feel like $100 million for them is probably like, I don't know, like $100 to the rest of us. Yeah, gotcha. like it's meaningful, but not going to be 
might even be less than a hundred dollars for the rest of us to be honest i mean a hundred million dollars they'll pay the exit fee boom they get to make 10 times that yeah. over the next few years yeah that's that's true all right uh moving back to to nebraska football specifically we got to hear from from two coaches that husker fans are still kind of on the fence on because you have Bob Wager who's coming from from a high school down in Texas and then you have a 24-year-old wide receivers coach in Garrett McGuire that Husker fans, I mean, they look at the age and they go, oh boy, 24 years old and, and leading a, a position group at Nebraska. But we got to hear from him yesterday. What were kind of your takeaways from from both Bob Wager, the tight ends coach, and, and Garrett McGuire? Yeah, I thought it was interesting sort of that dichotomy of having – both of them at the podium, um, one after the other yeah. on the same day. It's like, okay, so yeah, Bob Wager, 52 years old, Garrett McGuire just turned 24 last Friday. It's like, all right, 52 and 24, like the age range is, uh, that it just stands out as an interesting note. But then you think about it, it's like they're, they're completely different in age. Like, I mean, we're having an age discussion a minute ago, uh, but they're also, they're both rookies in this thing. I mean, um, neither has had, has any experience in the college coaching realm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, I, it was funny because I didn't even think about it until yesterday when they were about to conduct their first press conference at, at Nebraska. And it was funny just thinking about Bob Wager's been coaching football longer than Garrett McGuire's been alive. Like Jeez. Wager is entering year 30 of his college, of, of his coaching career. He'd spent uh, all those years as a Texas high school football head coach um he, his first head coaching position was 98 the year before mcguire was born um he's entering his 24th year as a head uh or he spent 23 24 years as a as a head coach it's like interesting just like huh that's that's kind of funny but um yeah i mean the thing about mcguire i mean he's been on the job now a month and the main topic of, of discussion really the only topic of discussion around him so far has been a 23 year old now 24 year old as Nebraska's receivers coach like how's that going to work and it's it's all centered around his youth and inexperience because he has only two official seat two seasons as an NFL assistant on his official resume I mean obviously I know before that he's uh he's had experience I think like a um maybe he wasn't a student assistant at Baylor but um, close as close to it as you could be as as a walk on quarterback and special teamer, but um, yeah, I just thought his his answers to the questions about how are you going to handle uh, a, a receivers room where they're all either your same age or not that much not that much uh, you're not that much older than them and um, it was kind of uh, the way the ways he answered it was essentially he's fighting inexperience by leaning on the experience of others because he he rattled off all all of his coaching mentors um, throughout the uh, throughout his years. I mean, obviously you start with his dad, Joey McGuire, who he talked about how he grew up wanting to coach in second grade. He knew he wasn't going to have an extended career as a player, and he was going to be going into coaching and was essentially drawing up plays and grinding film with, with his dad in third and fourth grade. And um, then he grows up. He has Matt Rule uh, and and his dad were the two he said are the two most influential on him. Um, they named off James Campin, uh, Bob McAdoo, um, and and a host of others, Joe Brady. And then he, t- he talked about all the players he coached 
in the NFL last the last two seasons. He's like he's pretty much saying I've I've been there before. Like Coach DJ Moore, Lavisca Chenault, um, Baker Field's another one he mentioned. So uh, I think he's, he's comfortable in that sort of setting, but. Uh, at the same time, he, he doesn't have that experience. So that's why I've, it's a completely justified question, I think, um, to wonder, like, down the road, like, if the receivers, if, if there's a couple of guys in his position room that aren't happy with the receiver rotation, isn't happy with their snaps, like, going through things like that, like, how is that going to be handled? And he also, that wasn't asked to him directly, but he essentially answered that type of question by saying it's all about relationships and um, quoted Nick Saban by saying uh, they don't know, they don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. So this first month and the next month, it's, it's pretty much been the same across the board, the same messaging across the board from rule and all of his assistants that this is all about relationship building, getting to know the guys in the, in each position room, um, getting to know all the guys on the, team for rule specifically and um it's sort of been that same message just getting to a bigger point that won't go too long on but it's very interesting to see that that all of the messaging is the same from rule on down to we've we've spoken now to uh to eight assistants eight of the ten assistants so far and messaging has all been the same anytime it comes to personnel or what the last month's been like and what this this next month and spring ball is all going to be like, and it's all about sort of just getting comfort and comfort chemistry and building relationships. Zach, what do you think are some of the like recruiting advantages that Bob Wager coming straight out of high school, especially down in the state of Texas that he might have. And, and some that Garrett McGuire might have being so close in age to some of the guys that, that they're going to be targeting. Yeah. I mean, real quick on McGuire, I was surprised they didn't uh, talk about that when, when asked like, um, I guess he wasn't specifically asked about recruiting advantages, but I thought he might have mentioned it, mm-hmm. but probably goes without saying, yeah, he, he's more relatable. Um, he can relate to a more, uh, to the, the younger generation, the high school prospects they're recruiting now because of that age. But, and with Wager, it's, um, I wrote about this like two three weeks ago. Um, cause I had, um, a little less than a year ago. I, um, went over to the East coast, made a did an East coast recruiting swing and talked to high school coaches over there. And I remember talking to one at St. Paul's uh, school in Maryland. And he was just talking about how so much of the recruiting game has changed, but it still is about relationships. And, I, and he said, I think the lifeblood, the lifeblood of college football is recruiting and the lifeblood of recruiting is relationships, especially with um, the high school coaches and that kind of struck me. It's always stuck with me. And with, with Wager, it's that exact uh, scenario because, like he was talking about yesterday, he he put in a lot of years there. He put in a lot of years in the in the grind that is Texas uh, high school football. It's sort of a fishbowl um, down there, just like it's a fishbowl in Nebraska. But he said, "I'm still their peers, or I'm still their peer," because he said he's always going to be a high school football coach at heart. So. He has those built-in connections very, very strongly in Texas. And um, we said when he was hired, like, he's going to be a huge foot in the door, a huge, uh, not just foot in the door, but also a closer down in Texas. And um, that's one main reason he was hired. And uh, one of the main reasons McGuire was hired, because uh, recruiting 
connections and ties to Texas and the Midwest for sort of requirements for um, who Rule was going to hire at that receivers coach position. And um, Wager, I mean, you're going to see it now. I mean, what the previous four years combined, there was like two or three Texas signees. And when Nebraska was in the Big 12, everyone knows it, that Texas was a huge, huge recruiting destination. And um, that went away once they went into the Big Ten. But now you see it coming back. They signed six guys out of Texas in 2023. And um, it seems like they're going to be signing five, six. Uh, I mean, they're going to be making a push to have that same sort of haul in, it, in the 24 class and classes into the future. And Wager's obviously a huge that. We're talking to Zach Carpenter of, of Inside Nebraska right now on the happy hour. Zach, um, with, with Garrett McGuire specifically, I mean, everybody's making such a big deal about his age, and I, I, I personally hate to continue to bring it up, but is that one of those things where it's like that's something Nebraska fans will just kind of have to deal with, with the age, you know, you know, doubtfulness and, and from Husker fans when it comes to Garrett McGuire until we see the wide receivers on the field? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Is like it's going to be a, a – point of discussion and a question until some until we see it play out until we see those receivers actually yeah. get on the field and if they're good then people will forget that in a heartbeat like just like the detractors when when rule was rumored as the top candidate when he was hired there were plenty of people in doubt because for one reason specifically i'm talking about and it's the does he actually like to recruit like i don't like people were believing that um that he didn't, that he didn't like recruiting, and he's proven he's proven those uh, those doubters wrong as far as uh, as far as that's concerned. So, mm-hmm. um, and people have kind of forgot about that that um, topic altogether because he proved it over the course of his first two months on the job. So, if McGuire can do the same thing, then. Um, we'll forget about that as well. Zach, last one before we let you go, or last kind of conversation before we let you go, and you know exactly where I'm heading with this one. Um, you guys, uh-huh. that, you guys have inside Nebraska have been pretty pretty busy, and you're even going to be busier now because uh, Steve decided to go off and, and have a child. So um, selfish, yeah, selfish move by Steve. I hope he's listening here. He's who probably has, not. Who has kids nowadays? He, he's already. I mean, you guys know Steve, and his work ethic is. I mean, it's unmatched. He's, he works his ass off, and he's already wanting to come back sooner than dude. what uh, what I told him. I'm like, dude, do not rush back. Yeah, like, for into, real. Into work, but it's just how it's just how he's wired, man. Yeah, that's how Steve is. So anyway, you guys have been pretty busy though. Um, and and one story that you guys kind of wrote on was was Dylan Riola is coming back to Lincoln to visit in in late March, a week after he heads down to Athens and visits Georgia. I mean. How big is it that not only Nebraska is still in the conversation and still seems to be in the top two if there was one, but then also he gets the or Nebraska gets the final visit in 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 Dylan Riola's schedule. Well, they, it might be his final visit in the schedule right now, but he he might be that's right more visits after that because the the live period will still be going on through um, I believe April fifteenth. I, I, oh, okay. Said this. I said this last time I was on here, and I never checked the recruiting calendar for the exact date. But he said that it's still open for him to gotcha. take more visits, and he took a visit uh, recently to USC. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, yeah, like Nebraska and Georgia appear to be uh, two of the top teams, but it's it, it's not it's not down to a two way a two team race. I mean, they're still 
there's still other schools that are that are heavily involved and heavily in the mix. I mean, I've been saying it throughout the last couple months, like, don't forget about USC. Like, don't forget about Lincoln Riley for obvious reasons that we don't even have to go into. It's Lincoln Riley's track yeah. record is proven. So um, there's some others like Oregon and uh, I, um, I, I don't know, TCU maybe, I guess, just because, I mean, he has the connections with uh, – he played his first – um, couple seasons in in Texas, and his sister's on the volleyball team at TCU. But I mean, there there are several other schools involved, and it's not down to just a, a two team race right now um, between Nebraska and Georgia. But um, those two are obviously heavily in the mix. Nebraska to be back in this thing. I mean, I've said it a million times. Yeah, it's just, like incredibly impressive that rule has pretty much taken over. Um, or started from scratch in that recruitment and has been able to get them firmly in the door and get another visit from mm-hmm. from Rayola and his his family. But yeah, I mean, been saying it throughout that I've uh, been saying the past couple of weeks, um, really the last three four weeks. March was not going to be the the decision month for him. That was way too early. Um, he still has a lot of things to see. He, he's taking his time with his decision. Um, he's a lot of schools involved and um, still want to slow. It's a slow burn in the recruitment because the first time when he originally committed to Ohio state, he um, felt like he probably rushed into that, that, that decision made yeah. a bit of a, an emotional decision. So now he just wanted to take a step back, reassess a little more thoroughly and, that's exactly what he's done so far, and that's exactly what he's what he's planning to do. Well, Zach, real quickly here. I mean, in, in all your time of covering recruiting and knowing guys that have covered recruiting, have you seen a staff been able to make up as much ground for a player uh, of the caliber of Dylan Riola like we have with Nebraska? Um, not off the top of my head. Uh, if I thought about it more than uh, than I could probably think of one or two mm-hmm. um, that at least come close, but I. I I don't remember anything like this. I mean, when I covered South Carolina, they did something similar. Um, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it on this show or not, but they did something similar where they sent like five or six staff members to one school for to talk to two specific targets, but really they had their eyes on, on one guy specifically, um, sent five, six coaches on the same day. And um, what, what, what ended up happening? They signed that kid, and he wound up being the uh, – highest ranked signee for uh their highest ranked signee until this last signing day when um nicholas harbour signed with south carolina but they they had an all-out effort there and they they wound up getting their guy who's now their second highest ranked signee Is, so was that all ju- the people who were like poking fun and everything at, yeah at nebraska sending all those coaches to the number one overall player and a guy who could be the centerpiece for a program turnaround like i mean you'd can pretty much cut that argument short because it was it was a good move and the move ended up being very impactful. Was that Jadavian Clowney? No, no. This was oh, okay. uh, this was when I was covering. It was Desmond Umio Zulu. Oh wow! Uh, I, I think I'm like eighty percent correct on the, the last name pronunciation. <laughs> so that's why Des, that's right. Desmond U. Nice. So uh, that's who they went to see and wound up getting them. So it worked out. Good stuff. Hey Zach, always good to talk to you, man. Uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Appreciate it as always. How much did the Chiefs win? Yeah. Oh my God, I don't know. I'm, I keep going back and forth. I I think we're. I don't know. It's, it's, it feels like a Tampa Bay Super Bowl all over again, where we're going up against another generationally great 
front seven, front four, and it's like, all right, we have a better offensive line, much, much better offensive line than we did then, and it's a healthy line. I just hope that Mahomes isn't running for his life again. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like the pessimistic Chiefs fan <laughs> in me coming out that I'm just going to be watching him running a million miles again. But yeah. I, I, Final prediction, I have, uh, I'll say Chiefs 31, Eagles 29. I'll give you okay. a Chris Berman type score. That's All that's right. what I like to that's what I like to hear. Maybe it's a, <laughs> maybe it's going to be a scoregami. Yeah, I think so. I think there's 32-26 is like the best odds for a scoregami. Gotcha. As long as if it's a Chiefs win and a scoregami, like all right, best of both, best of both worlds. All right, Zach, we'll talk to you later, man. See ya. Yeah, appreciate you guys. That is Zach Carpenter inside Nebraska. Good stuff as always. Have to get a little Dylan Raiola conversation in there. We have to. It's necessary. Um, Let's take our final time out. Wrap up the week with uh, Austin and Strick and a little bit of Super Bowl picks. (laughs) Nice. Uh, When we come back. Download our app by searching 93.7 The Ticket in your app store to stay in touch and listen all day long wherever you are. More of the happy hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.